from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time right here where sports meets life. Mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt is where you're listening, you're watching on facebook.com backslash live now dt all of it inside of the charney's menswear and tuxedo studios 3150 erie boulevard east in syracuse new york central new york's largest walk-in closet for men sizes for everyone styles for everybody and more than enough for you to find something to improve your wardrobe on so make sure you head out to charney's today with that being said it is an honor and a privilege to have had over at this point i want to say 1500 guests that we've had on this show on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. This is year number 17 plus for me of broadcasting in general, but these moments right here are why I do what I do. I always love to push the bill, push the term, and go a little bit farther. And somebody that I've appreciated and respected from afar is Billy Owens. Billy Owens wore that number well for Syracuse. He wore the jersey well for Syracuse. He wore orange and blue well for the orange. He went on to the NBA. He has been successful with with so many different things that he's touched in his life, and he has touched the hearts and minds of many a Syracuse fan and will always mean something to this city. And so with that being said, I can't believe that I'm finally getting to say this, but I am. And today on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Billy Owens is here with us. Billy, how are we doing today? Hey, I'm doing good. How y'all do? How you doing? I'm doing well. And and Billy, for you, you know, I, I've asked I've asked other fans about this or other uh, players about this. I asked Otis Hill about it when he was on the broadcast yesterday. How do you handle the love from Syracuse fans and the fact that no matter where you go for the rest of your life, people will always remember who you are and they'll always appreciate what you've done. How do you handle the fact that you know you'll be etched in the history of Syracuse forever? I, I I appreciate it. Um, you know, being uh, um, going to Syracuse and having the following I have and how our fans are up there, um, I never take that for um, for granted. And I appreciate it because every time I go back to um, Syracuse, they treat me like a rock star. And did you ever anticipate that when you go back to your days of playing in high school and trying to figure out what college to go to and what fits you and what would be best for you? Did you ever imagine that at this point in your life, you would, you know, all the time, every week, every, I mean, your name is brought up so much throughout the history of, of any, I mean, it could be in the middle of a season and somebody could say, I wonder what Billy Owens thinks. It would be great to have Billy on the team right now. Did you ever feel that that, that was going to happen when you were getting into your collegiate career? Did you ever have the notion that this would be something that would last forever? No, I never. I didn't know that because I really didn't know um, the loyalty of college fans. Uh, I knew high school and coming from a small town, Carlisle, Pennsylvania, they will always love me there because I sort of put Carlisle on the map. But when I got to Syracuse and, you know, playing with great players like, you know, Derek Holman and Sherman Douglas, Herman Reed, and um, Adrian Autry, guys like that, 
I just, I never thought it is it, it, it's that way. But I, I'm like I said, I'm grateful. And um, if I if I need an ear to talk to, if I need to feel special again, I visit Syracuse or I or call somebody up from Syracuse just to talk and, and vent. So when you do uh, call somebody up and you do have those conversations, who are some of the teammates you still keep in touch with today? Who are you know some of those bonds that have never gone away? Well, it, well, John Wallace is one of those one of those guys. Derek Coleman is my main man. Um, um, Sherman Douglas, we talk once in a while. Herman Reed is like part of my family. We, we me and Herman Reed been talking since since Syracuse and been I've been going up to Baltimore to watch his high school team play and spending nights over his at his house, spending weekends at his house. So guys like that, you know, Agent Archery always talk to because I, I say he's one of my favorite point guards at Syracuse, even though Sherman was there because Adrian put everything on me. Like Adrian told me if we lose it's my fault. Adrian <laughs> got me the ball. <laughs> Adrian got me the ball every time. He looked for me a hundred percent. So always appreciate um Agent Archery. So but I tell you this, when every time Syracuse basketball plays or football, we're in a group chat and we're talking about the game. So in the group chat this year, speaking with Billy Owens, Syracuse Orange, great, and, and NBA uh, player and, and alum as well, and, and we'll talk about your NBA career in just a little bit, but when you're in the group chat this season, what, what have been some of the topics, some of the thoughts this year as this team has obviously gone through some some ups and downs, the ebb and flow that happens? Uh, what's been some of the group chat conversation from the, from the veterans, from you guys that have come through this program? What have you been talking about and maybe what you've been seeing? Well, what I what I see is this is a bunch of young young um, players trying to figure it out. Um, we have a couple bright spots on the team. You know, I, I don't like put anybody on blast or anything like that. But you know, we, we're just a team that's you know figuring it out, finding our way. And the things we talk about where we're at, we just we're actually we're commentating the game. Like he should have shot that. Um, we need him to step up. Uh, we need this player to rebound more. We need to, some players need to get a little bit more minutes. But that's that's coach's job to do that. That's the coach's job to do that. So we just talk about it. And we just you know a lot of positive things. You know something you got to have positive. Um, some positive things with the negative, but we just, we just, you know, we all bleed orange, and we just want us to um, do well, regardless if we're playing there or not, you know. So it, it's, it's just all about the game and all about what we think we should do. But everybody says that everybody, everybody got the solution on how we can win games, or if we should play man to man, um, man to man. Um, defense more so everybody's a coach but everybody really can't sit in that chair or be on that sideline and be a coach speaking here with billy owens at syracuse and and nba alum Uh, billy for you like you said you know uh, everybody wants to wants to sit in that chair and, and act like the coach but you know there's only one coach what have you taken away from from coach Beheim? i mean he's been etched in the history of syracuse he is your coach he is so many uh, players, coaches of the last 40-plus years, over four decades of time he's spent there. What do you think about Coach right now, and, and, and how are you assessing his 44th year as he continues on this road of leading Syracuse? Well, I, I think Coach um, learned how to have a little bit more patience. 
you know, he's not working with um, guys and talent like Derek Homian or myself or Sherman Douglas or Stevie Thompson, you know, just can go and Lawrence Moten and John Wallace and guys like that can, and Carmelo Anthony just to go out there and get the job done. You know, sometimes get so caught up and coach, you know, coaching the whole game, but sometimes the players got to figure out, figure it out on their own. You know, so how 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 important is a coach? It's they're very important. How important is it for a coach to motivate your players to go out there and play hard? It's very important. But when it comes down to it, you got to get those players and get those recruits coming in that can get the job done. Because basically, you know, I learned from I read before from a coach. Um, like I think Pat Riley said this. You know. Give me the uh, last five minutes, six minutes in the fourth quarter to coach, you know, because because he, he can't he can't rebound. The coach can't rebound. The coach can't put the ball in the basket for you. But it's his job to go out there and find those kids that can do it. And we've been slipping a little bit on the recruiting side. I don't know why, because great Syracuse is a great place to come to. Great fans, great facility, and we just now we're not grabbing those elite players that come to Syracuse and I have no I have no answers why but you know it's it's all about recruiting getting those guys in there that can get the job done when it comes down to it I know you said you don't have a reason why you know some of those recruits aren't coming in could it be the loss a lot of people put it on this I've gotten the opportunity to build a personal relationship with him and I respect the heck out of him and he's doing a great job on the west coast could it be the loss of Mike Hopkins and the fact that, you know, he said, Bayheim is dad and I'm big brother. And, you know, he, he was always the big brother to these kids. And, it, you know, if, if they got down, if, if Bayheim critiqued him or anything, he could build him back up. He's been fantastic in his ability to recruit. He continues to recruit the Central and Upstate New York area with guys like Isaiah Stewart and so on. So it, could you attribute the loss of Coach Hopkins to the issue of recruiting the last couple of years? Yeah, we miss Hop. We definitely miss Hop. You know, he's been there, what, Syracuse before he left, almost 20-something years before he left, right? So we definitely miss him. He understands coach. And I'm sure the other assistant coaches now understand coach, but Hop was a great people's guy. He was a great communicator. And and, and what people don't realize is you're going to recruit. It's, it's, it's kind of hard because you got to get to these kids early. And, and, and it's sad as you got to get to them when they're in the eighth and ninth grade and just, you know, cater to them and 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 ensure them that they could come to Syracuse and do big things and can change the program. So recruiting hard. I've been coaching the last ten years at a division three school and that's with no and that's with no scholarships that we can hand out. And believe me it's hard. Because and plus the kids are different nowadays. The kids think beyond the present, meaning they, they, they looking for the future as I can play in the NBA and things like that. I think they chase the, the kids now, they chase the NBA too fast and don't understand how valuable and how fun college life is. You know, and, and we look at that, like you said, you, you know, for, for you, you know, the valuing that you can't give scholarships to division three. I went to a division three school at, Marywood University, and, and so I know all about the Division Three woes. What's it been like for you coaching there, and, and what have been your takeaways from, from coaching at D3-wise? And for people that don't know, give a shout-out to, you know, the school that you're at and, 
and the connection that you have there because I, I'm sure people would like to hear that too. Well, actually, we we actually the whole um, staff <laughs> got fired at last year, so I'm not coaching there this year. But being there for ten years, and, and what I can take away from it is is just their kids. You gotta you gotta put in your head in your mind that they're just kids and they they're dreaming and there's nothing wrong with dreams you know i had big dreams when i was a kid we started from six years old so seven seven years old so you got to just re- remind yourself they're kids and they and they want to learn some want to learn some don't want to learn and, and and it's all up to the kid too because the kid got to work in you you can drag him into the gym and um, and, and throw them on the court, but if they don't want to work, they don't want to work. So that's why I say recruiting is kind of recruiting is kind of hard, and 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 it, to do it the right way is definitely hard. So, but to take away from what I learned at Division Three, just to be patient because they are kids. They are you know searching for dreams and trying to live out their dreams, and, and it's all about patience. But you gotta, like I said, to recruit good elite kids you got to cater to the kid and also their parents and how i mean for you how did you handle that you know to to go through that and to go through a firing and a change there you know how did you handle going through something like that knowing that you know i mean you've had so much success but everybody sees adversity and everything and and how did you handle that adversity with a sport that you love so very much you know what can you say about this chapter of your life well, actually, the, the, the story was how I became the um, assistant coach. I wasn't the head coach, assistant coach. Yeah. Is that I, I met a, um, um, one of my friends, we got the job, and I was only supposed to help for one year, you know, and I, I did that. And then I looked up, and it was nine years later <laughs> because I got relationships with the kids, and we, what, we, we didn't have a lot of success there. <laughs> That's why I think I stayed because I didn't want to leave out on a bad note. And it, and it's all, like I said, it's all about recruiting. We just couldn't get kids to come to Rutgers Camden University because I don't know why parents were scared of Camden. But the, the campus is a, a beautiful place and it's well secured and and a lot of security. But we just couldn't get the recruits there. So you know, I, I didn't take it. I didn't take it like you know, I got fired. Let me go hide my head my head into the sand or under the covers yeah. i just say it's basketball you know i've been i've been traded six times you know so i understand it's basketball and you and you still believe in your ability to coach or your ability to play that shouldn't bother you speaking here with billy owens at syracuse and nba great here with us this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Uh, Billy, to, to jump there for a second, like you said, you were traded six times. When we look back on your history, Golden State, as well as Miami, Sacramento, Philadelphia, Detroit, Seattle. What can you say about your time in the NBA? Because it's very, very difficult to have longevity in the NBA. And in despite you know going through trades and the business side of it, you were drafted in the 1991 NBA draft third overall in the first round and you had an opportunity to play from the beginning of the 90s all the way through to the 21st century the beginning of the 21st century just to speak on your NBA experience and and then secondly your ability to have longevity because that's something that's very difficult nowadays 
Well, my NBA experience was, uh, I, I, to be honest, I, I love playing. I love, I love practice. I love the locker room. I love being around guys, telling stories. Um, but my, my, the main thing I really loved about the game was playing the game. You know, business side, I didn't understand until actually I got traded for the first time. You know, uh, I, I was called into the office and was talking to, you know, the coach and the GM at the time. And, he did, and I thought he's calling me in the office to talk about me playing the, the three spot, uh, small forward spot. And and he told me that I've been traded. And the funniest thing is that I probably three weeks before that happened, I, I had a conversation and meeting with the coach because I was about to buy a house in, 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 in Oakland, California. And, and I asked because I heard about rumors I might be traded. And, it, and I went in there and then. He said, no, we'll never trade you. You do um, um, so much for us on the court. You know, you can play the one, you can play the two, you can play the three, you can play the four. No, so we no, go ahead and buy the house. <laughs> so I bought the house. So I bought the house, and then three weeks later, after I did it, four weeks later, after I did it, he calls me in the office, told me I was been traded. You know, the first thing, you know, to react and being a, you know, competitive guy, I was mad. I was pissed off. I, you know, words were said, and I got up and I left. And first thing I did is call my dad and told my dad what happened, and he told me to calm down. And you know, just you got to think of it this way: that another team wants you. You know, you're not coming home. You're going to another team, and you're going to still get paid. You know, the ball bounced the same on any court. You just got to block it out and go play and show these people that you can still play basketball so i love i love the nba like i said i love the, the new um friendships i made you know from chris weber to um mitch richmond to chris mullen to Spreewell, guys like that to glenn rice guys like that you know i, I love that but the business part they can have it but you know they it's just too too much nah, i won't say conniving but just too much um, backstabbing it and when it comes to the business part of it but I understand the business and I understand things happen so but I definitely love college I love my my four years in high school and then my three years at college was the best years of my life so for you you know to go through that like you said there's a business side of it people learn the business side of it speaking here with Billy Owens of Syracuse and NBA history and, and to see that business side, like you said, you know, when you're like, should I buy the house? Yeah, buy the house. We're not going to do anything. We're going to keep you around. You know, I mean, obviously, that's that's something that's tough to to stomach. I, I know there's guys that have said that they found out uh, by watching the ticker on ESPN that they've been traded because nobody ever called them. So, you know, to, to see that business side of it, Billy, what would be your advice to somebody going through it now? Somebody who just bought a house or just you know, took their kids and their wife across country to start off somewhere else, you know, or, or whatever it may be. How do you handle that? What would you say to the, the people that are currently going through the fact of it's a business and not everybody tells you the truth and you could get traded? I mean, I think some players were traded three times in one night on draft night. So how do you handle that? Uh, it's hard. It, you just got to understand and you got to surround yourself around people who can um, explain them type of things to you. You know, I, I say that I bought a house and that got traded, but also the key thing about that, 
you can buy a house and you can sell a house. <laughs> you know, you yeah. might lose out on some money, but you're not going to lose that much. But it's you can, like I said, you can buy a house or you can sell a house. And it's and it's it's this about you got to go in it with an open mind, knowing that you can get traded. You know, you know one of the, I think one of the dominant um, players, dominant players in the NBA was Shaquille O'Neal, Shaq, and he got traded. <laughs> you know, so you just got to look at it, take a step back when you do get that contract or when you do get drafted or when you do make a squad. You got to sit back and think this this is not forever. And you and and plus this uniform might not be forever. The uniform that you're wearing now it could change overnight. Yeah. So you just got to have open mind, and you have to be strong minded too, because you know all them changes. Some people can't handle it, and 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 some people just lose their mind and forget about why you got drafted, and that was your ability. So you just got to keep working on your craft so you can have longevity in the NBA, and 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 knowing that it's going to come to a, a stop you're in your 30s or or before you, you reach 30 so and you got to live the rest of your life so it's about surrounding yourself around better people and around people who love you and and have your best interests what was in your opinion billy what was the secret to your longevity in the nba what what kept you in it for as long as you were from the beginning of the 90s to the beginning of the 2000s i, I just think my versatility I could play a lot of positions. I could, you know, bring the ball up the floor. I could post up. I could um, handle some of the big forwards on defense and and play defense on guards. So I think it's just the versatility that I had on the basketball court that one label just as a, a three-man or two-guard or point guard or power forward. I was just the versatility and, and, and doing the right things and being a good person, you know, not being a – you know, excuse my language, not being an asshole, just being a you know a good person to be around um, in the locker room and things like that. So, because being a good person goes a long way. Because you know, not to knock anybody who's in the NBA now, because to me, there's a lot of guys who can't play. Uh, quite frankly, they just didn't, but they're around because they're good people and they practice hard. And you know, there's they're not they're not high maintenance and and that and that's why they're in the league. So just going out there and and you know the reason why I think I had longevity is because my versatility and just being a and being a good person. And like you said, you speaking here with Billy Owens, you said you know being a good person goes a long way, and and, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. You know, some people rest on. You know, they're talented and they can do a lot of great things. So, you know, they, they just rest on the fact that they're talented, but they don't treat people with respect. They aren't a nice person. They, you know, they aren't kind to people. They don't care about burning bridges. They don't care about how you treat somebody else. You're saying the opposite. You're saying, listen, being a good person can help you to get farther. Some people believe that. Some people don't. Some good people out there are saying, you know, this morning as they're driving in their car, they're going to work or whatever they're doing, they're saying, you know, does it really pay to be a good person? Because maybe they're not getting that feel for it right now. So what can you say about how being a good person, in your opinion, to go a little bit farther does benefit you? There is a positive to it. And if people don't appreciate it right off the bat, to continue doing it because it'll eventually come through. Uh, it will, it will. But that, that only that only um, stands if you're on the court, I think, and being in the locker room. Business part, I think you have sometimes you have to be 
that a-hole because it seems like you get left behind. You know, the good people, when it comes to business and you let you go into a business meeting and you let somebody run over you, then they're just going to take advantage of you. But if you go in a business meeting and you got confidence and when you're speaking and, you know, you speak with a good voice, then they respect you more. And I don't know why that happens, but it, it's happened that way. And I'm finding out, out a lot too, you know, so, and I'm finding out a lot that I'm not, you know, going to let people just blow smoke up my butt when they talk about basketball or the business part of it. I'm still learning, you know, learning the business part of it. And I'm still learning basketball too at the age of 50. You know, I'm learning things from coaches. I'm learning things from watching coaches videos on TV and things like that. So it's, it's just, it's, it's all about, like you said, it's all about being a good person, but I think only on the basketball court in, in the locker room and being around coaches and GMs and things like that. When it comes to the upper level people, when it comes to business people, and it's just, you have to show confidence or you're not going to make it. And having that confidence in this team now to spin back to what Syracuse is doing currently, we've we've seen you know, and I always say that there's there's fans and there's fanatics, and the difference between the two, a fan will be with you no matter what. A fanatic is somebody who you know goes to a game and maybe they're mad at their wife, maybe they're mad at their husband, maybe they're mad at their job, maybe they're mad at the guy that cut them off in the road, but they take it all out on the team. So there's a very fine line between fans, supporters. And fanatics, kind of supporters that go with the wind. Oh, how have you seen fans this year? Because I mean, I've spoken with uh, numerous players, and, and you know, just had Otis Hill, as Sonny Spear has been on, Roosevelt Bowie Jr., Dale Shackelford, and so on and so forth. And we have these conversations about it. Sonny's been very adamant about it and has no problem telling a, a so-called fan, you know, if you're not going to support and you're going to be disrespectful, probably keep your mouth shut. But how do you handle it as a former player? when you see so many opinions out there. And when you were playing, there was no social media. So there was no instantaneous, hey, guess what, Quin Quincy Garrier, I hate you. Or Buddy Bayheim, you're on the court because daddy's the coach. I mean, that's so instantaneous to these players right now. What do you think about it and how do you handle it as a former player? Well, I just know fans are going to be fans. You know you're good. You know you're, you're, you're true, diehearted fans. And to me, you can separate the two. You can separate NBA fans and college fans. You know, college fans, regardless, the real ones cheer when you win and lose. NBA fans think, you know, they did, this is our product and they better win because they're getting paid X amount of dollars. And why can't the, why is this guy missing foul shots in the NBA? Why is this guy not miss a, a layup? You know, college is, is more kids, and it's and it's and it's more exciting to watch a college game. You know, like you can be down 15, 20 points, just still cheering and going crazy, and still want to take autographed pictures with you. Where in an NBA game, after the game, you lose by 20, 30 points, you walk through the tunnel, people are telling you you suck. <laughs> you know they're they're beating it down and you and they're beating down grown men when you're in the NBA and it all depends how you handle it like like I I was fortunate enough when I was in the ninth ninth grade eighth grade I had all the accolades I had people wanting my autograph so when I got to college people you know sort of caring for me and loving me wasn't new to me 
you know, and it didn't go to my head. But when you got guys that don't that, that experience that type of, you know, accolades early in their life, when they get start getting those accolades, they don't know how to handle it. They, they Sometimes it goes to their head. Sometimes they don't like it. They just got to shy away. You got a lot of people who don't, don't like that type of attention. But then you got guys who take advantage of it and don't know how to handle it. So average fans, the, the average fan, my doc, I never ran into somebody from Syracuse that's talked bad about the program. They always say what we could do better or what we need to do. We need to try to go get this guy, try to go get better recruits. But they never came to me and just talked bad about the program because I want to allow them to. I would stick up for the program because the first thing I would say, first of all, you're not in the locker room and you're not with these kids every day in practice. You know, why this kid ain't playing? Because maybe you're not in practice and he's doing the same mistakes over and over and over again. And coach just don't have faith in him and go out there and do anything different. There's only certain people that can, certain people that can, players that can be poor practice players, but he, coaches know when that 7 o'clock comes around, they're going to shine. You know, some players are just like that. And, and I, I think, you know, when fans can sit and so can follow a team all year, not just game time in practice and see how their, uh, see how their energy is in practice and things like that, and, and be around players and be around coaches, then you might have a different perspective on why this kid's not playing and why coaches do the things they do. That coming from Billy Owens here this morning. And, Billy, I want to speak with you about some of your teammates that you had as, as we're here. And, and Billy, on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora for the first time ever, we're inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios. I want to ask you uh, first and foremost about Conrad McRae. And what you remember about Conrad and and just him as a teammate, what he meant to you, and and, and what he meant to Syracuse basketball. Uh, no, first of all, I, I miss Conrad. He was one of those. You know, I, I, he's. I'm so glad I went to Syracuse. Um, when people say that, like I'm so glad I went to this college, or you know, I ran into this guy. I'm so glad I went to Syracuse and met Conrad McCray because he was just a character. You know, on and off the court, he was just a fun guy to be around. Always energized, always had energy, and and you know, from coming from New York City and things like that, and and the way he used to act is it was just great. And I'm so glad that he came to Syracuse, and I went to Syracuse, and we played. Um, I think we played two years together. Yeah, it was like two years together, and. And I'm just—he was just a great guy and a great basketball player. You know, he's not one. He wasn't the, that elite player, even though he was real special and, and big in New York when it came to the playgrounds. And they—they they know Conrad McCray before they know me in New York. And he—he he was just a great guy. And actually, I, I tell you a funny story. He's the one that introduced me to my wife now, <laughs> and I'm married to for the last 20 years. And we were sitting in a—we were sitting in a bar. And I was like pointing at this one girl and asked Conrad, who is this girl? And Conrad already knew her, and, and Nicole. And I said, well, introduce me to her. He did. From that night on, we became, you know, um, boyfriend and girlfriend. <laughs> and now we've been married for the last 20 something years. <laughs> so Conrad is so, responsible. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, but and, and, and sometimes that's good and that's bad too. Sometimes I want to beat him up because you know <laughs> marriage, marriage life is, is something boy <laughs> 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 but, 
and, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pause from the from the players for a second. I'm gonna ask you this: what what is what is what's your best advice for marriage longevity? What what's what's Billy Owen's advice on marriage? I want to hear it. I definitely want to hear it. <laughs> You're trying to get me in trouble. Um, um, <laughs> I say just. Let her do what she wants and listen to her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, now, now, now. Let them think they're running the house. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. I hope she doesn't listen to this, Billy. <laughs> no, she, 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 she just walked out the door. <laughs> there you go. See, you know, you pick your you pick your times and you can say it. So right. I get you. I'm with you. So I I do want to get to some. <laughs> Some of these other teammates that uh, that you've had, uh, Sherman Douglas. Just what you could say about Sherman. I mean, he he is and been a tremendous player, like you. Went to the NBA, like you. What you know, got to play for different teams and got to see different you know pieces of the country because of it. What did you think about Sherman Douglas? I know when you when you came in as a freshman, he was a senior. What what did you take away from that season with Sherman Douglas? Uh, well, Sherman was a great great point guard and, and one of the best ever did it at Syracuse and one of the best ever um, put a uniform on. Um, Sherm was a, a, a point guard who knew when he got the ball, he's looking for you. You know, me and Stevie Thompson and Derek and David Johnson used to fight to get on the wing because he knew he was going to throw a lob. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story that one time I was on the break running hard as I, fast as I can and somebody's pulling on my jersey and I'm like I'm thinking it's the opposite player but yeah. it was Stevie Thompson trying to get in front of me <laughs> so, <laughs> so Stevie pulling on my jersey so he can try to get the lob and he did get the lob because he pulled me back and I kind of flopped a little bit like the, the call the foul the referee to call the foul and he ran he ran by me and then Stevie went and grabbed it and, and caught the lob and dumped it <laughs> so but playing it was, but playing with Sherm, it was just, uh, you know, it was special because, he, he, he you know, Sherm could do the ball where you can score. And that's where I learned that. I learned that from watching him and try to put that into my little category when it comes to getting um, players the ball at the right spot. Watching him do that with Derek, watching him do that with me, you know, doing that with Tony Scott and, 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 and David Johnson, guys like that. It just, you know, I learned from, I learned from Sherm. I learned how to take passes, learn how to take charges and, and just do the little things on the basketball court to help her, to help us win. And, and so I took a lot away from Sherm and, and I was grateful that I played with him. I have to ask about DC, you know, obviously DC, you both were in the NBA, you know, both with each other at Syracuse, both moved on playing in the NBA and and for you uh, to to be in in the front court and him as well what was that like you talk about you know Stevie Thompson pulling on your jersey and trying to get ahead of you I mean inside for you I mean you're you're fighting for positioning you want to get the shot DC wants to get the shot as well what was it like playing with Derek Coleman and and I know that you said he's somebody that you obviously keep in touch with today and I put up that you're going to be on the show today and he reposted and and showed some love for that as well. So I know you guys have stayed close. What what was life like being on the court with Derek Coleman? Oh well, like I talked about, Sean, about learning how to play the game and and and, and building my IQ up. It was it was you know watching Derek 
you know, he, he just, Derek was all about winning. Derek probably could have went out there and, and scored 30 points and grabbed 20 rebounds a game, but he, he played the whole game. You know, he's 6'10", talented, you know, mean on the court. And the thing about thing about what people don't know, me and Derek challenged each other. You know, we, we played against each other in practice. It wasn't like we played against the walk-ons or anything like that. We we matched up. We played. We battled. And for him to do that and for Coach to allow that, it only helped me. It helped me for my college career and it helped me for my NBA career. Because there weren't too many guys out there better than Derek Holman or more talented than Derek Holman when he, when he stepped on that court. You know, a guy who's 6'10", you handle the ball, shoot the, shoot the jump shot pass and people don't realize he was a great passer and we and we kind of build off each other and, and you know if he's if he's up if he's up high he looks for me down low and one like he was the first option was to shoot he looked for the best play somebody you know it's the only smart play you make if you're you got a guy in your face and you know you can make the jump shot but you got a guy wide open and you believe in your player who got a guy on his back he's going to feed you the ball and we did that for each other you know, Derek was a great um, teammate on the court and one of my best friends off the court. You know, he, he was a guy I learned from on and off the court. And just, uh, you know, he just to put put heart in your, in your chest, you know, play with no fear. Go out there and play with swag and play with confidence. And there's real big on guys who put that um, S on their chest, you know, from back in the day in the past and to the future and to the present that he if you're gonna put that s on your chest you better come to play you know you got to play with heart you got to understand what that s means and to, to come to syracuse and put that jersey on you got to understand what that means and we're gonna go down fighting we not we might not win it at all like we we didn't win nothing i were actually you know i didn't win none they they got to the um final game championship game but me personally, I didn't get that far, but it was just all about winning with Derek. And I'm, and then, like I said, I'm so glad I'm to Syracuse to meet, you know, like Sherman and Conrad. I'm definitely glad that I was, and God put me on the path to go to Syracuse to meet Derek Coleman because he's, like I said, one one of my best teammates and one of my best friends to this day. And you mentioned Billy. You mentioned God. You mentioned faith and all this. That, that God puts you on a path to go to Syracuse, meet Derek Coleman, and be friends to this day. Where does faith play a role in your life? What can you say about faith? You know, some people have it, some people don't. I'm unafraid to talk about it. You're unafraid to to bring it up, and and I respect and I appreciate that. What can you say about the role that that God and faith have played in your life? Well, we're on this this, um, earth because of um, God. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't preach it. I don't, you know, I just, I'm not scared to speak my mind when it comes to religion. And I believe in God. You know, I grew up in the church when I was young, got away from it um, at an early age, got back into it. I actually, I say about four or five years ago. And, you know, this is me personally. I talk to him every night and every morning when I wake up. The way this world is, the way my friends and my peers are, or leaving us is scary, and the only I think the only man that can control that is the man upstairs and yourself. You know, you know, you got to age, you got to start taking care of your body, and if you can't speak to 
anybody. You can definitely speak to him anytime you want to. So, you know, like I said, I don't preach it. I don't go to church every Sunday. You know, I I, I try to go, and then, but I will watch it online. You know, I am a member of a church down here called E9, Pastor Waller. But, you know, it's just something that was instilled in me a long time ago when I was a kid. Like I said, I got away from it. But at the time when you get older, everybody wants to run to God. And and I think they should because he's the only one that can help you out in in certain situations. Just just somebody to talk to, you know, somebody that's going to, you know, I say it like he's going to listen, like he's sitting right across from me. But. You know, some moments you got to do that because it's all about it's all about luck and it's all about speaking to the man upstairs. So that's all I can say about that. And I try to I don't force it on my kids. You know, I tell them to, you know, we should go to church. And if they say no, they say no. But I'm not going to beat them up, drag them in the car or anything like that. It's a path they have to take. But it, it won't hurt anybody to have a little talk once in a while to the man upstairs. That coming from Billy Owens here this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Billy, before I let you go, you, we, we've we've looked at your history. We've looked at your time there, your final season at Syracuse. And we well, we look at what you did while you were at Syracuse before the final season overall. Your first season there, the team went 30-8, and eight, went to the NCAA Elite 8. You went to the Sweet 16, won 26 games the next year, was the Big East regular season champion. 26 games a year after that, went back to the NCAA tournament. Big East champion in the regular season as well. Just to, to look back on those accolades and and the old Big East and, and just what you can say about that because I'm a Big East kid. I mean, that's that's what I grew up on. I grew up on Pittsburgh and Villanova and UConn and, and Syracuse and Notre Dame. And, and, you know, to me, it's a conference that worked in to be in Georgetown the, the best conference in men's, basket, men's college basketball, in my opinion. So... What did it mean to you? You got to be a Big East champion on more than one occasion, which is extremely, extremely difficult to do throughout history. And you got to do it twice in a short amount of time. Just what you could say about the old Big East and your experience of it. And maybe if if you miss it at this point, because there is a Big East now, but it's obviously not the same. Well, I can't can't really tell you who's in the Big East now. (laughs) I don't know what teams... During there, I know Villanova, you know Georgetown, and St. John's, and are hanging in there. I think I, I can't really uh, tell you who else is in the Big East. But back in the Big East, when I played, it was just to me, it was the NBA. It was like the G League, you know. It was like um, guys who were way more physical than I was when I when I was a freshman. I, I used to get beat up a lot. And um, thank God I had Derek Coleman there to, to protect me when it came to battling the big boys down low, and and it's just it was just so much fun. And you know you had to strap them up every night. I don't care who you played. You played Boston College, you had to strap them up. Providence, you had to strap them up. Seton Hall, you had to strap them up. You know everybody wants to talk about Georgetown and 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 um, the Connecticut's and 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 teams like that. But every game was a battle. You know, we we might have went out there and handled teams, but we knew we had to bring it or we we would get beat. So Big East is definitely different. But you know, back in the day, like I said, it was this a rough house. It was like the G League is nowadays. You had guys who was going to the NBA or had potential to go to the NBA back 
way back then, and it was just one or two players. It was like almost like the starting five couldn't make it to the NBA. It's just that I think the talent was a little bit better, and the talent was a little bit more physical when it came to the biggies. And you know, you got to think about it. One year they put in six fouls for the biggies <laughs> because it was so physical out there. So they they for the, the year they tried to put in six fouls, but they eventually went back to um, the five fouls. But it was just a great time, and I'm glad I did it. I had I I could have went to any college in, in the world <laughs> or in the United States, and I chose Syracuse one because my brother went there, two because when I went there for my first visit, Derek Coleman took me out, and he made me fall in love with the campus and the team and knowing that I could be friends and 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 win ball games with Derek Coleman and the rest of the guys. It was just it was just fun. It was fun. I don't know, like I said, I couldn't name everybody in the Big East, every team in the Big East right now. But back then you had to strap them up and you had to come ready to play regardless who you played in the Big East. Absolutely. You know, and it's something that is is easy to miss, and I definitely still miss it to this day because, you know, and Billy, I'm going to ask you this. Who do you think is Duke Duke's biggest rival in the ACC? Uh, well, if you look at it, they're, Duke lost yesterday. Right. Or the other day, so uh, I think everybody is. <laughs> They lose. They lose to Clemson, but the guys, the biggest ones right now, if I had to say, and 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 this could be a little guess too, is um, like like Florida State. I like Florida State's team. Right, and historically, who would you say is Duke's biggest rival? Historically, well, it was North Carolina. Right, and North Carolina historically, their biggest rival is Duke. Syracuse's biggest rival in the ACC has been Duke, so that's yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that that's they, they, they started that they yeah when they you know you're gonna you know Duke is that team you love to hate you know you can't take anything away from Duke when it comes to Coach K and what he did there you know North Carolina was one of my, North Carolina was my second school I was gonna go to actually I was on my way to North Carolina until my brother went to Syracuse I was I loved, I loved Dean Smith. Um, I love Roy Williams. Um, Jeff Lebo was my teammate in high school, and I was kind of, you know, following him because he was a big mentor to me when it came to developing my game. You know, I I learned how to play the game the right way at an early age because of Jeff Lebo, and he went to North Carolina. So I, I can't say nothing bad about North Carolina because, I, like I said, I was always had a foot in the door there. And but when I like I said, my brother went to Syracuse, and then I met Derek Coleman, and met the guys, and, and, and met Coach Bayheim, and I just knew that this was the right right um, program for me because Coach Bayheim told me when he first met me, he said, "You're a great player, and 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 I can get you, I can get you to the NBA. I can make you one of the top picks in the NBA." And when he said that to me at an early age, you know, I wasn't even thinking of NBA at the time. Um, he saw something in me that I really didn't see. You know, everybody used to tell me that one day you're going to play in the NBA. They used to tell me that when I was in eighth and ninth grade. I didn't I didn't believe him, and I didn't really listen to him because I was just a kid. But when I got to, you know, learn more about my game and know that, oh, hey, 
I might be able to play in the NBA one day. And my first talk to Coach Bayheim, he said, I can make you a great player here at Syracuse, and I can get you NBA and get you a high pick. And I and I stayed with me to this day. And look, I was third pick overall. I should have went number one that year, but I didn't. Larry Johnson went number one. And me and Larry Johnson joke about that all the time. And I told him that that I should have been the number one this that year, and we laugh about it. So, so I can't really talk bad about North Carolina. Or I would never, you know, I bleed orange, regardless of who I'm watching. I always talk Syracuse sports, and I love my Syracuse fans, and I love the program path. We just got to be patient this year a little bit with this team and grow with them because it could be a good it could be a good um, team and we could all we got to do is get to that tournament. We get to that tournament. Teams can't handle that zone. Uh, coming from Billy Owens here this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Charney's menswear and tuxedo studios. Uh, Billy, a final note for you. Your last season at Syracuse you had uh, 23 points per game, a little over 23 points a game, almost 12 rebounds a game. So you had a, a double-double and then some. J- just what you can say about going back to those moments and growing through it because you were playing there with Stevie Thompson, you are playing there with Derek Coleman, then you eventually you know, take over outright. But back in the day, there was, there was so much good in the front court of Syracuse. So speak to me on kind of growing through the process. And then the second part of the question – what can you say about, you know, the front court and big men at Syracuse moving forward? Because so many people are, are desperately cram, clamoring for a big man. You know, they want Otis Hill to come back. They want you to come back. They want DC to come back. They want John Wallace to come back. So what can you say about growing through the process yourself and what you think about Syracuse moving forward in need of that inside presence that, that obviously they had historically with you and so many other players? Well, the, the touch on what you said earlier about um, the first the first question about you know Syracuse and and my junior year. My junior year was a good year, but it was one of my worst years. You know, I might have scored twenty three points a game and close to twelve rebounds, but hell, we lost the first game to Richmond Spiders, and and that's the game that I, I really don't talk about. And it, it, it really bothers me to this day. You know, people may say, you know, you got to let that go. But I can't let that go because we was a good team. We was a solid team. But it wasn't the best team I played with at Syracuse. But we were solid. And I think everybody played a role where I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I think we only lost like four four games that year or five games that year. And one of them probably one of the best records that you know that I've been a team that I've been with, one of the best records in to lose the Richmond Spiders the first game in the, in the tournament was just kind of it was crazy it was something that bothered me I didn't I, you know I don't show my emotions you know when it comes to that you know people might ask me about it and I shut them down real quick and tell them I don't want to talk about it you know or things like that but it, but you know my my three years at Syracuse, like I said earlier, was the best three years of my life. You know, um, um, having new friends and and building friendships with new guys and the guys I didn't know that our our path would cross. But you know, just to answer your second question, the team is just I think it's all about recruiting, going out and getting those guys, doing what we got to do to get those guys. You know, I don't know why big guys don't want to come. 
to um and and join our program. You know, when Pop had one, but he went to Washington. <laughs> you know, Stewart. So it's all about getting out there and and selling our program. And maybe you might need some former players that help you out. You know, you might need a, a, a Derek Coleman or me or Herman or Reed or Sherman Douglas to go out there and try to try to recruit. You know, do it the right way. I don't know how that is, but do it the right way when it comes to so we don't get in no type of trouble when it comes to NCAA. But I think we need to get out there and, and, and talk to you know Adrian and, and Griffin and Jerry are doing a great job. But think about it, they're guards. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're guards. They they don't they they might know a little bit about when it comes to the big fellas because they play with some good ones, and you know they can tell the stories of what we used to do. But to hear from the guys who did it and and, and sit in the in the in the, in the um, house with the parents and that and that player and that recruit that you're trying to get to come front and, and and the kids are young. The kids are young. They probably don't even know who we are. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They have to pull up YouTube's to find out. But they, but if you're a sports guy and you're a true player, you would know your history, and you would know who we are. So it, it's just you just got to keep grinding when it comes to the recruiting and getting out there and getting this, and getting these guys and 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 let them know why it's important for them to come to this program and. And I don't know why they went anyway. Coach, 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 what, the number one player in the draft, the number two player in the draft, the number three player in the draft, guys who got drafted in the top 10 and top 20. I don't know why they're not coming and um, to put that S on their chest. That coming from Billy Owens here this morning, and I don't know a better way to uh, conclude this conversation that we had. But, Billy, I truly can't thank you enough. I appreciate your time. I have, like I told you before we got on the air, I've appreciated you from afar for a long time. I mean, when you grow up in Syracuse, you know, especially born and raised in this area, maybe 10 minutes from the Dome, probably eight minutes from the Dome, you know, to know the Billy Owens and the, the Derek Comans and the Sherman Douglases and the Pearl Washingtons and, and so on and so forth of the his and the Dave Bing, Bings and whatnot, to know this history and, and know what it's all about. I can't thank you enough for what you've done for this city, the fact that you come back here, that you've been connected with the sport, that you that you care about basketball, you care about the kids that are going through the programs now and trying to find their place, that you've been able to see what it's like to be a coach. Just everything that you have done, I can't find the perfect words to say thank you because you are one of those people that is a living legend. It, it is kind of, you know, Star Wars-wise talking to Yoda, so to speak, so... I do appreciate that, and I respect that, and I hope that now that we've had you on the show, we can look forward to having you back again soon. I'll definitely be back, and like I said, just be patient with this team. We'll be, we'll be all right. You got to think about it. College to me, college basketball is down right now, so who knows? Like I said, just let's try to get to that tournament, and you never know what happens. Look at my Tennessee Titans. We struggled all year, and we're two and zero. And then when it comes to the playoff time or the tournament time, it's like starting a new season. And any given night, any team can be any team. 
you know, and, and I and I told you we were going to discuss that, and I apologize for that. It must have it must have been my Jaguars mind that wasn't allowing me to do it, but no, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want nobody to jinx the Tennessee Titans. Just watch us. We got an important game this Sunday, but unfortunately, um, my daughter is getting married this Sunday, so okay. I don't know. I'm, I don't know how I'm going to do that. I, I think my daughter is going to be mad at me because I'll be running back and forth trying to find a TV. I was going to say good luck good luck with that because I don't know how you're going to get away with that one but yeah, I, I'm trying to work I'm trying to figure it out I'm calling the police where she's having it to see if they got a TV and everything but nobody's answered me yet <laughs> well this is the thing is when it what time is her reception uh, it, start, it starts at two games at three Oh, okay. See, but the thing is, though, if the reception's at two games at three, then there's usually a bar somewhere, so you could just watch, you know, you do, you do the father-daughter dance, and then you, you know, you disappear and shake hands and kiss babies, but in actuality, you're watching that game. <laughs> yeah, but I, I got too many daughters, they're not going to allow me to do that, they're going to be on me, they know that I'm, I'm going to try to do that anyway, so I'm, I'm sure they're going to be like police out there and make sure i stay in the building <laughs> well just so you know if you need a proxy i can text you the score and all that i can i got you on that, <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> with that being said billy owens here with us billy thank you for all you've done for syracuse and, and thank you for being a part of the show today i look forward to talking with you all right man appreciate it